Has the story of a creepy photo been explained? That doesn't sound intriguing, but, but bear with me. And then we look at the history of killer meteors. What is their body count? How much destruction have they laid waste to the planet? And could it happen again today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's been a little cold. It's been a little cold. If you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you know it started off with me complaining about the heat. But it's getting it's getting kind of chilly up here. And I can't run my heater during the podcast, but this is something that I expected to happen. I do want to bring notice. Um, we're getting used to the new website. We. Me. I always say we. It's the royal we. It's it's me. I, I'm still getting used to the new website setup. And I'm trying to, way, trying to figure out a way to get this new um, image to appear on the website. Um, Grant Scott is a listener of the podcast. He drew this amazing Dead Rabbit picture, icon, image. It's just this, it's kind of even hard to describe, but it's absolutely amazing. Um, It's definitely going to be up. We're going to start using it into the YouTube videos, but I want the podcast listeners to be able to see it as well. We're still going to keep Ash Black's uh, Dead Rabbit logo, the red, black, and blue one that you've seen with the third eye. I I love that. That's great it's just kind of a logo for the show and i appreciate that ash black made that for us we're still using that grant scott's image we're going to work into the youtube videos because i think just the size of it it's so detailed you want to get the full view of it and i if things work out the way i want them to we should be seeing stickers with both of those appear on it in the future so grant scott and ash black thank you so much for making that artwork means a lot to me that you guys really went out of your way to design that so i I mean it means a lot to me it really does so let's go ahead and get started with the episode i was going to talk about my dad's email but it wasn't funny i was reading them again basically it had to do with grant scott's artwork i sent my dad the artwork to say hey look what this guy made me and my dad's like uh yeah uh cool and i was like what that's a weird response from my father like he's very supportive in general and then i thought about it for a couple days. I'm like, that's kind of an odd response. So I emailed him back and I was like, yeah, you know, it's really cool. This guy sent it to me. The podcast is going great. The YouTube channel is blowing up. And then he emails me back and he says, good, you deserve a bit of success because you're so smart and knowledgeable. And I'm thinking, did he mean every bit of success? Or (laughs) is he just telling me I only need, I only deserve a bit of it. I only deserve a bit of success. Not every bit of success. I'm assuming, Dad, it's a typo. He doesn't listen to the podcast, but I'm assuming it was a typo, and you mean I deserve every success I get. But if it's not, if you actually think that I only deserve a bit of success, I'll take it. I love my dad. I love my family, my mom. I just got off the phone with my mom, actually. So let's go ahead and jump into the story. Since I <laughs> since I basically told you I wasn't going to tell you a story, and then told you it anyways. That's just the way it works sometimes. Let's go ahead and hop into the episode. So, I know it's difficult to talk about a photo on a podcast, but I have to address this photo. This photo is so scary. This is a photo that I actually saw probably around the time it first came out. It first started to appear on the internet back in 2009. It's known as the Cooper family photo. It is chilling. So, what it is, it's it's like two women and two little boys. And they're sitting around a table, and there's like little candles. They're all dressed in like 1950s clothes. It's uh, black and white. The photo, not the clothes. Well, the clothes are too, but 
And then to the left of the picture is the body of a man, supposedly, falling from the ceiling, completely covered in black. You just kind of see the white of its sleeves. Its face is completely obscured in black, and it's just kind of like... it look Okay, so what it looks like is that somebody was trying to snap a photo, and a man jumping off of a building photobombed it. So we're watching this guy fall in the photo, but the family sitting there it, don't even acknowledge that the person's there. So I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. You'll see it on the YouTube channel. And I know that's a bad way to start this segment, but it's a really, really creepy photo. It's creepy on several le- levels. One, it's creepy because it's an old photo, and old photos are just intrinsically creepy. Two, the fact that we can't see a lot of detail on the falling figure. Well, I, I guess, too, the one, the ultimate one should be like, there's a dude falling into a photo and no one's reacting to it. And I, I remember the first time I saw that photo, I had like a visceral reaction to it. I remember like almost reacting in disgust. I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. And there was no story behind it. It was just this photo that was going around the internet. And again, the fact that they aren't reacting to it is just adds to the creepiness. If they were like, oh, like, you know, looking at it and, and shrieking away in fear, we'd see their reactions, I think, would kind of dull it maybe. But the fact that they're still just kind of doing that weird and 1950s stare at the camera like you don't have a soul look. And there's this horrible thing happening right next to them, a supposedly paranormal thing. In 2013, so the, post, the picture first posted was really cited online in 2009. On 2013, it finally got a backstory. The weird thing is, is it got two separate backstories on the same day, different parts of the world. So at two different forums in two different countries on the same day, we got two different stories behind the origin of this photo. Story one was... As the Coopers move into their new home in Texas, they take a photograph of the family sitting together. But as the photo is taken, a body falls through the ceiling. The OP said he wasn't sure if it was real, but he thought it was really creepy. So in that version of the story, that it basically was a photo bomb. Someone was taking a picture, a body falls through the ceiling, and the moment is taken, like, clap, and then they're like, oh my god, there's a body on the ground. Oh no, what happened? The second story, which again appeared on the same day, different forum, The Cooper family has just moved into their new home in Texas. In honor of the housewarming was laid festive table. Okay, so I guess I should have read this more closely. When I said these were posted in different forums in different countries, this one was obviously not posted in a country where English is their first language. So let's go ahead and take another look at this. In honor of the housewarming was laid festive table. At the same time, decided to make some family photos. And when the pictures showed, they showed a strange figure. It seems that someone's body is either hanging down or falling from the ceiling. Of course, nothing like this during the shooting Coopers did not see. So, you know, despite the fact that Yoda apparently wrote that blog post, I think it's apparent that this story says that it was something paranormal, that the people who were sitting at the table did not see anything there. One group was formed to only debunk this photo. They said, let's get these people together. We're going to find out that this photo is fake. So they started, these researchers were all over looking, trying to figure out a way, saying, oh, the lighting's off, the shadow's off, something like that. Eventually, someone joined the forum and said, I'm the boy in the photo. I'm that kid. 
And here's proof. And this guy sent in photos of himself as a kid at that table. Same candles, all sorts of stuff. This guy's name was Robert Copper. So the original story was that it was the Cooper family. But it turns out that this was the Copper family. So Robert Copper. And that's a little weird that the the names are so close. Robert Copper, this is what he said. This is his quote here. When my older brother sent me to this link about the forum, I was floored. We are the two boys in the picture. Well, we were back in 1959. I have many pictures like this one, but not this one. My mother had a habit of throwing away pictures that she didn't like. Eventually, the ones she kept were passed along to me. What annoys me is that somebody got hold of a family photo. The story is almost entirely fiction. Our last name is Copper, not Cooper. Does anybody know who did this? So then they're like, okay, so we have this guy. He said that he was at this table. This never happened. He never saw the original photo. This is all fake. It's been debunked. And then they go and plus the shadows and the lights and all that type of stuff. And one thing they said, the person falling is taking the pose of a ballerina. So they're thinking somebody took a photo of an old-timey ballerina obscured it a bit turned it upside down and they said that's why the necklace on the falling figure is not falling with the figure it's because it's an upright picture turned upside down so case closed right i don't think so now you might call me a contrarian because i usually like to debunk stuff but i think this photo might be real and here's why i think in copper's story we're given hints now here's the thing it's totally possible that it's a slender man style creepypasta photo that was created and got loose from its creator but i don't think so he said that this is a photo of him and his brother he said that his mom would throw away photos she didn't like she had a habit of doing this now if you're going through all the photos you have and you found this one falling down this this horrible creature falling down in a photo with your kids and you had a habit of throwing photos away, do you think you'd keep this one? Now, we may, because we're into this type of stuff. But if you're a 1950s housewife, and you're like, you just toss it. Because he doesn't know, he, he, the photo is at least partially real. We can argue over whether or not the falling figure is real, but the photo itself is real. And he's saying, how did this photo get out of my possession or my mother's possession and it would have been had to have been held on for this whole long time, and then someone would have photoshopped this guy in. What if she did throw it away, and someone retrieved it and thought this is a creepy photo, and it was in there? They didn't throw it away; it was in their collection for a long time. And eventually, their grandson finds it and scans it into the computer, throws it online because it's super creepy to look at. I think it's weird that the name is close enough, Copper and Cooper, so it wasn't a wild guess. I think it's also weird that both stories took place in the same state, Texas. There's no clues in the picture that it's from Texas. Again, it could just be that it is a Slender Man level creepypasta and everyone was in on it. And Robert Copper was like, whoa, whoa, you know, you guys are messing with my life. But I think his story actually gives more credibility to the fact that it is real. I think the fact that he she he admits that she would throw photos away, that it was, in a sense, partially a true photo. It wasn't photoshopped out of, you know, a bunch of little things. And the complaints about the lighting, the shadowing not being right, the necklace not falling down, my pushback is on... And this is probably going to come to bite me later on when I try debunking another ghost story, but I don't know if ghosts or demons or whatever would cast the same type of shadows. And you go, Jason, light's light, and it's going to bend around the same way. But 
I mean, if we accept that there is something from another dimension or something that's from coming from the other side, and they can see, but yet they're also, like, invisible most of the time and they can pass through walls, technically their eyes can't accept light in for them to see, so maybe light affects them differently. I don't know. I, I think it's hard to look at a photo of a ghost, of a presumed ghost, and say the shadows are wrong, the lighting is wrong. Because you're dealing with something that is paranormal. Now, there could be other stuff where you're like, no, we can see the pixels. We can see where this has clearly been photoshopped. We can look at the negative. Here's the original photo. There's other ways to disprove a ghost photo. But I think by saying things like, I think it's the lighting, I think it's the shadows, I don't think that really works. These guys are still working on this, by the way. They're still trying to debunk this photo, but they're leaning far more towards the fact that somebody took it and photoshopped this guy in because they said, oh, it kind of looks like this ballerina and so on and so forth. But again... I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. This might actually be a real ghost photo. I'm not going to put money on it or anything because it may not be. But again, there's something about it that if it is made up, it's a very, very creepy mock-up of an otherwise serene event. I don't know. I, I would probably say, I mean, the logical side of me says, yes, it's a hoax. But there, that emotional side of me goes, there's just something too creepy about it for it to just be a Photoshop job. But I've been fooled before. So, I mean, you know, I'm not infallible. It would be interesting to know, though, like Robert Copper said, how did the person get one of his family photos, Photoshop it, supposedly, and put it online? That Oh, dude, a witch took it! A witch! That's what we talked about in our last episode. If photos go missing, that means there is a witch. Robert Copper, do you know Kim Kardashian? We need to know that. Okay, um, full disclosure, I was just getting the artwork prepped for this episode, and I took another look at the debunking website, and they actually, they actually named this artist. His name is Thomas Lagodi, and it appears that he's the original one who posted the photo. So if what's weird about it is that they're saying that this guy posted the photo, and this guy is an artist. Looking at his other art, nothing really matches this, but they all seem to kind of brush over that and spend more time talking about shadows and stuff. So I don't know if this artist is taking responsibility for making the photo or for simply posting, being the first to post it. All the comments are closed on the forum for the photo. So I don't know. It was weird. I must have brushed over that when I first was reading all the debunking stuff, but I did come across that. So that makes it lean more towards it being fake. But and that kind of throws off my theory on it. But again, I wanted to let you guys know that because I'm sh- some of you guys do cl- click through the links or already know the subject and be like, hey, you missed that. And I wanted to go ahead and get that out there. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story where the audio quality will most likely be different. OK, so let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story is something that I think everyone's thought about at least once or twice. Me, I think about it all the time. I always imagine, for whatever reason, I'm walking down the street, or I'm sitting at work, or I'm sitting at home, and I imagine a meteorite, like a just, you know, a small one, you know, maybe about the size of a baked potato, crashing through my house and just blowing me up. I don't know why I have that, and it's not like a bad thought, it's not like I'm worried about it, but I always think, dude, what if I was sitting right now, sitting here right now, and just, just like it obliterated by, because a meteorite the size of a potato would probably just 
disintegrate my torso. And then sometimes, though, when I'm in a jo- more jovial mood, I'll think, dude, what if a like a nickel-sized meteorite like crashes into me, but it doesn't kill me, but gives me superpowers? And then I get to daydream about having meteorite-based superpowers. So... <laughs> Okay, so anyways, I do enjoy the idea of meteorites crashing into the planet. I, they, they, the giant ones obviously scare me. Meteorites hit the planet all the time. The planet actually weighs more each year because of meteorite strikes. Like, there's enough to keep adding to the mass of the planet. We don't see them. Like, most of them are rock-based, so you'd be walking down the street, you just see a rock in the grass, and you think, oh, that's a rock, but for all you know, it was a meteorite that crashed a thousand years ago, or two days ago. They say when you go to Antarctica, you can literally just see meteorites all over the place because you'll just see ice, you'll just see snow, and then you'll see a rock just sitting on top of it or in the middle of it, and they're like, oh, that was an asteroid. It was a meteorite strike. So it does happen, but the Earth is so big and people are so spread out for the most part and the oceans take up a huge chunk of the planet that we have a very low likelihood of being killed by a meteor. Very, very rare. But it is possible. I know most of you guys probably know of the Tunguska incident. It was back in the 1920s in Siberia. Miles and miles of forests were just flattened by what... They don't know what it was. They think it was most likely a meteorite that exploded in the air. It's an airburst and just let off this massive amount of force. And then some people say it was a nuke and some people say it was aliens. But that one, like a couple, a bunch of deer died. A bunch of trees got leveled. And I think some Siberian farmers or whatever they do in Siberia, Siberians got killed. And the Russian government went out there to look at it. But, you know, it's 1920s in Russia. They had other stuff to worry about. But let's look at some of the more interesting ones. Some of the ones with body counts. In 616 AD, we're going to China here, right? There is this general. He has all of his troops. It's nighttime, I think. (laughs) But we'll just say it's nighttime for the sake of the narrative of the story. It's nighttime. And they have this military camp, and they're going to do military stuff. They're going to lay siege to something or beat somebody up. It's 616. I don't have a ton of details on this. So anyways, this general's there, and he has this wall-attacking tower sitting at his camp. And everyone's just sitting around doing, you know, military stuff. And out of the night sky, presumably, (laughs) out of the night sky, this huge fireball appears. And before the men can react, the wall-attacking tower the siege weapon is just annihilated. <laughs> Splinters go everywhere. Fire. <laughs> Ten people are killed in this attack. It was the first recorded incident of humans killed by a meteorite. How would you put that in? How would you process that? The only thing I could be, I think you could only think of one of two things in 616 AD. The enemy has some sort of super weapon or it was the gods. I don't think there was, I mean, to give the Chinese more credit than that, they actually were pretty up on their astronomy, but I would still think the the fact that this could come out of nowhere and hit a siege weapon and kill 10 of my men, I would think the enemy had something to do with it or some sort of supernatural omen. But yeah, first recorded incident. And you think about how vast the landmass of the world is, and you have this little military camp sitting out in the middle of China, and this meteorite that had traveled, the cosmos just blasted into one of their top weapons and killed a bunch of guys. 
Now, we're going to go to a funnier one before we get to the, the, the big one. Here's a funnier one. So, in 1633, a Franciscan friar was just not like, a, you know, a friar, like a monk. A Franciscan friar in Milan was like hanging out, just doing friar stuff. And a meteorite hit him in the thigh and he bled out. Now, again, see, that's the thing. It's basically like getting a bullet. And what would you think? You're just walking along. I don't know how loud meteors are, but I would assume if it's, like, super small enough to just hit you in the thigh, it might sound like a bullet, maybe? I don't know. But anyways, how unlucky do you have to be? Like, at least in my daydreams, I'm either just blown up or I have meteorite-based superpowers. This guy gets hit in the thigh. He's just walking down the street. All of a sudden, blood's gushing out of his thigh. He's like, oh, oh, my God, ah. And then he dies. And then there was a eight pound meteorite in 1879. There are these two dudes on a boat, boat just sailing in the middle of the ocean. It hit the boat, killed the two guys. Again, the that's why the odds are so low to actually be hit by a meteorite. Because again, that meteorite could have been a few feet to the left, a few feet to the right, and it would have never hit them. It would have landed in the water. They never would have known it was there. But to hit two people in the middle of the ocean, that's some that's some aim, or that's some chance. There's been people who have survived it. In 1954, a woman was crashing. In 1954, a woman was uh, sleeping in her, napping on her couch, and a meteorite crashed through her house, then bounced off her radio and hit her. She lived. There was another guy in 1994. A dude was um, <laughs> a dude was walking. A kid was walking. <laughs> A kid was walking underneath a tree, and the meteorite hit the tree, bounced off, hit him on the head. They lived, because I think mostly because it hit something else and bounced off. Well, could you imagine taking, I mean, the kid walking under the tree, something's going to fall on you, a cat, a coconut, something like that. But you're taking a nap. You're totally fine. It's 1954. You just got done hosting your birthday party where a demon goblin fell out of the ceiling. And you're like, I'm throwing that picture away. I'm going to go take a nap. And you wake up. With a burning rock on your stomach. Like you would have this thing weighed what 3.9 kilograms. So what's that in pounds? That's 5 pounds? 4 pounds? Anyways, 2 pounds? Something. It's uh, it's enough to wake you up. And it's hot or cold. I don't know how meteorites feel. But it's definitely a temperature different than your body. But you wake up. You feel sudden pressure on yourself. You're like, oh, this is hot and or cold. And there's a hole in your ceiling, your radio is destroyed, you were just napping, now you have a 3.9 kilogram meteorite on your stomach. Bad luck. But I would take that meteorite, I would try to crack it open and get some superpowers. So we've talked about all of these little incidences, you're like, Jason, yeah, people die from meteorites, it's super rare. What if the Tunguska event happened over a city? That's always been a question. Because it happened over complete wilderness and a bunch of caribou died and some Siberian farmers were like, uh. But what would happen if that same event happened over New York City? I mean, it would have the same impact. It would just have flattened people. They would just have been liquefied. Buildings would have been completely destroyed. It would have been chaos. And it would have come out of nowhere. And that's always been the worry. You know, we we track those large... Those large meteorites, those Ellie's, those extinction level event meteorites. But the smaller ones that could do some good damage. Not 
we do track we do track i think city destroyers too but they're harder to track and actually here's a fun fact all of our telescopes they can't point at the sun because the sun's too bright so a meteorite could be coming right from behind the sun and we wouldn't see it until it was already by what venus we see it coming out from pluto we can be like oh you know Armageddon, you know, get those guys up there. No, Space Madness, don't worry about it. All that stuff. But we can't do that if it comes from the other side of the sun. But anyway, so the question has been, is it possible? And yes, it is possible. But what would happen if we had a Tunguska-level event over a city? And I didn't know this, but we have. It has happened. In 1490 AD, we're in China again. There is a city. So this was in the district of Shanzai. It's now part of the Gansu province. People are out. It's daytime, supposedly. It's daytime. People are out shopping, buying cabbage, whatever. Kids are running around, flying kites. I don't know what people did in 1490. But anyway, so they were doing these things. And out of nowhere, it happened. So here's this quote. This was a, an account from a survivor. Stones fell like rain in the Chiang district. The larger ones were about 1.5 kilograms. He didn't say kilograms. He said four to five caddies, which was a measurement back then. I'm just changing it to kilograms because it's written here. So what is that, like five pounds? (laughs) No, okay. The larger ones were about 1.5 kilograms. And the smaller ones were about one kilogram. Numerous stones rained in Chiang. Their sizes were all different. The larger ones were like goose eggs. And the smaller ones were like water chestnuts. I think this guy was hungry when he was doing this description. More than 10,000 people were struck dead. All of the people in the city fled to other places. Right on the the ground. 10,000 people just killed by this. What is supposed to be another airburst. What they think is this meteorite exploded in the air it comes down with so much force and the energy it can't keep up with it a lot of times the bigger ones don't impact they either burn up in the atmosphere or they'll just explode as they get closer to the ground so it blew up and rained down water chestnuts and goose eggs on these people Ten thousand people dead on the spot and there are theories that that is a low estimate Some people say it could have been tens of thousands of people were killed because we don't know. We have, there's a couple documents, a couple different documents referring to this event and people, like he said, left. They just left the city because they're just out there. They're buying cabbage. They're flying kites. And then imagine that you're walking through downtown San Francisco at the pier and you notice something's weird. You see someone buying cabbage. You see another guy, a little boy flying a kite and you're like, "Uh oh, this is familiar. And then just you hear a boom. 10,000 people dead all around you. You would have no idea what caused that. And again, 10,000 may be a low ball. That could happen again tomorrow. Anywhere. Is it likely that this is going to happen again? It's not likely, but it's definitely possible. It's possible that out of the blue, if we're not tracking the right object at the right time, without warning... Tens or tens of thousands of people in a major metropolitan area could just be wiped out. If we saw one coming, do we have a plan to stop it? There's been theories we could paint it and the light would reflect off the paint and it would slowly move it. 
but you need a lot of space to do that. Plus, you need to fly a probe out there to paint it. So the light pushes it. I know it sounds ridiculous, but the light reflects on the paint and it actually moves the meteorite slow or asteroid in space, but slowly out of the way. You could fly guys up there, Armageddon style. Yeah, woohoo, space madness. I don't want to close my eyes. All that stuff. But again, we'd have to know that it was coming and we'd have to have time to do it. We have nothing right now to stop him right away. There's a possibility you could shoot a nuke up there, but you could, you know, just as it's coming closer to Earth. We'd probably do that if it was a if it was a planet killer. We'd probably try, if we, and we didn't have a lot of time, we'd probably just try launching nukes at it. But if it was something that was city-sized, they may go, you know what, it's going to hit a city, but if we nuke it, 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 will, it will rain down on an entire country. So, suck it up, San Francisco. The weird thing is, is that we're not prepared. And there's been a lot, I remember when Armageddon and Deep Impact came out, that there was an article I read saying that more money was more money was spent producing those two movies than are given each year to the government to prevent asteroid impacts. It's very, very underfunded. Because it hasn't happened in our lifetime, it's really on the back burner. But the problem is, is that when it happens, it could be the end of our lifetime. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.